Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Future Golf is Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and of course, the all-important Golf Australia handicap. The best part though, the price. For 19th Tee listeners, you can get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code the 19th Tee. So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, Look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join. And don't forget to use the 19th T promo code for a huge 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. This is the 19th T podcast, Kieran Marsh. Nathan Drudy back with you for another week, but not just any other week, Drudster. It is our first Monday after a major pod. How good is it not only to have major golf back, but to have a newly crowned major champion, Colin Morikawa, a two-shot winner, his first major. Wild. <laughs> Wild for a 23-year-old to be winning, winning a major and uh, quite a wild finish as well to uh, the event. But um, I'm sure we're going to unpack that and plenty more. And we're back in person as well. so that's Which is always, nice. Yeah, it is nice. Week, it? After, so. week after listening back, it was, I think, I mean, I think, We'd be lying if we didn't say it made a huge difference. <laughs> <laughs> Potentially the best we've ever sounded being in person. It was refreshing. So we thought we'd give it a crack. Uh, speaking of giving it a crack, we will crack open uh, a beer. Thanks yes. to our great friends at Gage Roads Brewing, WA's premier independent brewery for more than 15 years. Named after the strip of ocean that separates Rottnest and Frio. Of course, the official beer of the 19th Tea podcast. And we raise our tins this evening to our newest major winner, Colin Morikawa, who drudes. Has as many major victories as missed cuts now in his career. <laughs> that, that is wild when I heard that today. Um, yeah, I mean, look, the only knock on Colin Morikawa was that he nearly broke the fucking trophy. The Wanamaker, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, like golf trophies and first-time winners have quite a story, really. <laughs> in, in the passage of time, when you look back, there's been incidents. It's littered with incidents. In terms of first-time winners lifting trophies, but yeah, the the, the lid of the Wanamaker came fresh off. <laughs> How was um, his face? He was like, oh. absolutely <laughs> shat himself. Uh, and of course, obviously, one of the other great stories about the Wanamaker is uh, what previous winners have filled it with in years gone by. So, be very interested to see uh, what what Colin Morikawa's poison yeah. of choice is uh, this evening, because he's probably still going. I'd suggest our time, despite having some hours now since uh, signing his card and lifting the Wanamaker, but. Well, um, unbelievably, though, how Tom Lee is still there practicing. <laughs> how Tom Lee is potentially still on the range. May not have anywhere to go, and we'll get we'll get to that. And but has it been confirmed that he's left? Uh, I'm I'm not entirely <laughs> certain, Drews. We, we don't have a, a live cam in there at Harding Park, but it would surprise me if he's still on on the range. It, it was really, I mean, there's this uh, an awful lot to unpack as you said, but I think where I'd like to start, Drews, and and we have mentioned uh, Colin Morikawa's name an increasing number of times since the resumption of golf, uh, such has been his form. He, of course, broke through um, for, his, for his maiden victory. He was also in a playoff where he lost narrowly uh, there. And, you know, we laughed at the time. We talked about the, the mental 
scar tissue that yeah. might be left by that loss. Not only did he go on and conquer that just two weeks later when he broke through at the workday, but he's now a major winner. He becomes the third youngest winner of the PGA yeah. uh, behind Jack and Rory. Yeah, uh, elite company. Uh, well, not to mention the fact that he, he has won the PGA at a younger age than Tiger. So yeah. those four players, uh, Colin, Jack, Rory and Tiger have won the PGA at 23 years of age. Colin sneaks in ahead of Tiger Woods, if you don't mind, to win it at a younger age. Yeah, it's phenomenal. And he, uh, you know, we, we seem to circle back to this younger group of players uh, consistently, but I think, well, the, I don't think I know that he is now out and out miles ahead of the rest of that that group. I'd pro- probably put him ahead of where Xander Shawflay is, uh, to be honest, at this point in time, I think. Even though he was our tip for the week, uh, I, the way that Morikawa played in the past four days was showed maturity well beyond his years. I completely agree. And I think, you know, what we said a couple of weeks ago, the, the way in which he broke through for his, his victory on uh, at, at the workday where, you know, overcame Justin Thomas, who was up by three shots or three holes to play. He's back against the wall and the tournament was on the line. He produced his best golf. And I think that is what I find most impressive about Morikawa at such a young age. Similar sort of scenario today, Drew. I, I stumbled across this stat, which I found quite remarkable. The field scoring average today was 69.25. So what's that? Point eight of a shot under par. The lowest single day mark in the history of the PGA Championship. There has never been a lower single day scoring average for the field than there was today. And he looked absolutely dominant. Yeah, he did. To win by two strokes. Yeah, he did. It's, that's quite a phenomenal statistic, actually. Didn't really, didn't actually understand that. Considering how much competition there was around him and and I suppose considering the players that he beat out too, it wasn't just, you know, the work day was obviously a very good tournament. But, you know, here you look at the rest of the top 10 and I'm sure we'll get through some of these players, but names like Paul Casey, obviously a statesman of, of the tour, DJ, who, as we said, will be one of the generational players, Jason Day, DeChambeau, Finau, like he's not coming up against slouches and at 23 years of age, he didn't seem like he was... going to be bullied or it didn't even seem like he was phased at all by any of those players. When did you, when did you know? When, when were you willing to put, because in fairness for as dominant as he played today, there were still moments, you know, probably right up until despite the fact that he was a couple of holes ahead, you know, DJ chipping in Mm. from off the green Mm. on 16, you know, still put a little bit of fear in, in the scoreboard. So for you, when were you comfortable to to crown him today. Well, he chipped in on fourteen, which With was phenomenal. Shot. <laughs> the control from just off the green on fourteen, I think, uh, is overshadowed now because what happened two holes later yeah. in his round. But that that shot on fourteen to chip in for birdie, yeah, amazing in the context of where he was in the tournament. I, I completely agree. Um, when did I know? I when he drove the green on sixteen. That's when I think I tweeted at that point. I said starting grading now mm. he only had seven foot for for eagle um i thought 11 under was going to be sort of the winning number for the day which looked probably pretty accurate up until that point um that he just played one of the the great shots uh, uh, that will go down in in major championship history that will be played over and over the guts to play that cut into a very difficult pin position to roll it to seven feet on 16 was 
was absolutely wild. I think just the Stones as well to step up. I think from memory, Drudes, I think today was his 27th or 26th start on the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, the context of where he is at in his career to be <laughs> out in the lead uh, of just his second major in his career today uh, and to step up on a drivable par four, have absolutely no hesitation in pulling the big stick, yeah. backing himself and executing in a manner like that. I think, uh, you know, it is testament to how well beyond his years. I mean, you spoke about his maturity before for a player of just 23 years of age and, you know, still in the 20-something starts in his career. That sort of shot is something you'd expect from only the very best players, not just at the time, but probably that we've seen in the last couple of decades. And the manner in which, as I said, he executed based on not just his slim lead, um, the, the margin for error on that hole, uh, you know, the, the context of only there being two holes left after that, if he were to make a mistake, the context of who was chasing him, you spoke about those names, Johnson, Casey in particular. I was, I was blown away by, the, by the, the guts it took to take that shot and, and, and nail it. Well, the control is the, the piece, right? Because if you miss, you know, obviously the, the, the safe play was to go left of the pin, mm. uh, which a lot of players did or they, they went short. Uh, if you went right and you either ended up in the, the, the heavy rough, you were short-sided on the, on the green, you would have, I think that pin was only maybe three paces on today, or you're ending up in a bunker uh, and at best you, you're making par from that point onwards. So the control, uh, and as you mentioned, to pull a disco stick and just whack it <laughs> as good as he bloody did, his beautiful little cut to, uh, to, to fade it in there, um, yeah, to fade it in was, was really, really nice. I saw Nico Hearn tweeted, why is why are people, not more people just playing this cut into this <laughs> into this pin? And I thought, well, Nick, maybe because everyone's ending up in the bloody bunger and then they're making par and then he just steps up and and puts it to seven foot and then rolls in what wasn't the, the easiest of putts. But I think it, it's not until now that we've sat down and actually started talking about it that... For him to be in his, what do you say, twenty third start? I think it's twenty seventh. Twenty seventh. Get that right. It, it, regardless, in the twenties, right? To have won a major championship at that uh, so early in his career, at twenty three years of age, is quite. It, it's actually phenomenal how good this kid is. We know that his iron play is is so sensational. If there's ever been a knock on him, it's been his putting, and he seemed to putt very, very well. Uh, so I think. For for him, the world's his oyster. I mean, who knows what the rest of the year will hold for him now? I think as well to do that in just his second. I mean, we always talk about the difference between being able to perform consistently at the PGA Tour level, but then separating yourself in one of the four majors. And it's often lost. Um, there's been knocks on generationally great players in the past just because they couldn't deliver at a major. That doesn't make them a poor player. Someone like a Colin Montgomery, you know, mm. who of, of his generation, one of the best yep. to play in his time, never won a major. Does that make him any less of a player? I don't think so. I but agree. to see a, a, a player of, you know, Colin Morikawa's relative inexperience at his first PGA Championship and just his second major star, played the US Open last year, to step up and and not just win, but we talked about, 
the, you know, the context of that round today being the lowest single day scoring average in the PGA. His weekend, his, his 36 hole total over Saturday and Sunday of 129. So he went um, 65 mm. yesterday, 64 today. It is the lowest 36 hole total mm-hmm. to win a major championship in the history of men's golf. Yeah. So let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> Saturday, Sunday, 129, 65-64, the lowest ever closing 36-hole total in the history of men's major golf. It's that uh, when I saw that today, that was that blew me away. But also, what blew me away was the amount of players that were so close to that number. Mm. Two, you've got two guys who finished at 11 under, so they were only at 131. And I'm sure there's probably been heaps of golf there, but that in itself is phenomenal. And you know, the knock on Morikawa has always been his putting. He was 164th, I'm looking at, in shots gained putting, minus 2.7. This week, plus 2.019, first well, in the field. He led the tournament this week. Have a listen to this. Led the tournament in driving accuracy, approach shot proximity, and strokes gained putting. Yeah. Since the PGA Tour began tracking the latter two, so strokes gained putting and proximity to hole, He's the first player to win a tournament while leading all three of those categories. Yeah. When you, when you can string together a week where you're leading driving accuracy, proximity to pin, and strokes game putting, you won't be beaten. No. It's as simple as that. When we spoke about the importance of driving accuracy at CBC Harding Park Absolutely. last week when we uh, made our picks, that it was going to be so important to, to, as stupid as it sounds, drive the ball well and drive the ball straight to stay out of the rough. And, and uh, all credit to Colin Morikawa. Uh, he certainly did that and played really well. He has played so well since the return of golf, looking at that run of form. Prior to that, I mean, he'd had a lot of 20 and 30 finishes and that's probably was where we expected <laughs> return of golf. He was second at Charles Schwab, then had a couple of crappy weeks. Won the work day, and now he's won a PGA Championship. He's in a good vein of form. Picked up some FedEx Cup points as well, which is always wildly important. <laughs> Potentially even more important than his first major victory. <laughs> well, he gets an extra 100 for winning a major. According to the PGA Tour. He also, not just uh, the FedEx Cup points, it's the exemptions. I think it's yeah. a lifetime exemption to the PGA. I think it's a five-year exemption to the US Open and the Masters. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has set himself up. Not that I would think on his current trajectory, exemptions in any of those tournaments were going to be a concern in the next few years at least. Mm. But I'm conscious that there's a lot more to unpack and and I don't want to move away from the winner too fast. Mm. But, I mean, just to uh, underscore how well he played, Drews, the final 22 holes of the tournament, bogey-free, nine under par. Mm. What's Flush. lost today because we didn't have the grandstand finish of him being the last player. And realistically, by the time he got to the 18th green, um, it was immaterial whether he took the two putts or not. But he missed that birdie on 18 by probably two foot. Mm. If he'd have sunk that birdie, he would have equaled the lowest round score in PGA Championship <laughs> history. No one's ever gone lower than 63. Only a couple have done it. He would have hit a 63 today to equal the lowest ever score in a PGA Championship. That he was literally at the very, very peak of his game, and like you can't take into account everyone playing their very best all at the same time. But he showed today that when he is at his best, he is part of a very small group mm. who are completely dominant. Oh, 
Absolutely for certain. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I'm just trying to see who else, uh, if that was the low round of the day. It was the low round of the day, 64. I'd imagine. With two other players. You want to have a guess? Uh, you might have to scroll a little bit if you're on the leaderboard. I'm not. I'm, go- I'm going to. Pat, I'll tell you who it wasn't, um, but Patrick Reed did a classic P. Reed sneaky fourth round, almost backdoor top 10. Uh, he's fantastic at that. I'm looking, uh, <laughs> friend of the pod, Benny Arn. Yeah. Final round 64. Well, it helps when you, you nail an ace. It that also does helps. help. It also helps that he jumped 37 spots. Yeah. Uh, so that would have helped the hip pocket for the final round 64. Still scrolling, still scrolling here, Drew. Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer. Yeah. The Texan. Yeah. There you go. Really backed it up after shooting 76 on Saturday. <laughs> so <laughs> swings and roundabouts for Ryan. <laughs> I think Collins was. I think Collins was prettier than probably Benny's and and, and Ryan. So, I think so. look, Drew, is that we could probably spend the entire podcast on Colin Morikawa. Yeah, I, I think just finally because there's probably some other names in this group that we'll get to shortly. There is no doubt now, and you mentioned this before. He has clearly separated himself in that graduating class that came through with him. You know, you speak of himself, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Cameron Champ, a year or two older. Yeah. Sung Jae Im, the same age, obviously not through the American collegiate system. John Rahm. John Rahm, still, you know, probably that two or three years older, but still in his mid-20s. I think, uh, you know, without overstating, Colin Morikawa has probably edged himself clear of that group and, and maybe sits somewhere in between that group and, say, your, um, your, your Rory's, your Tigers, your JT's in current form. I agree. Completely agree. And he would be pissed that the Ryder Cup is not being played this year because he would be a lock right now. He would have been obviously a natural, uh, he would have been selected through the the normal process, but if for whatever reason that didn't happen, he would he would have been a, a captain's pick. Particularly with the announcement recently from the US um, the US GA that uh, that Jim Furyk, the captain, uh, would have six six and six yeah. captains picks. Mm-hmm. So. Look, uh, Which yeah. is the way it should be. We're not going to get into a Ryder Cup discussion or <laughs> President's Cup discussion, but I think that's the way it should be. I think, um, just finally in Colin Murray-Cowdridge, I think his form uh, and his complete ease at which he performed on the biggest stage in golf is ominous, mm. uh, given the condensed major season that we have just embarked upon. You know, We've got the US Open coming, we've got the Masters coming, I think that there would be an awful lot of players now looking over their shoulder uh, for Colin Morikawa. He could win another one. One of those. Quite honestly, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I know we've got two left this season, technically. He, he, I would suggest that he would probably be in the betting market. He would be somewhere there or thereabouts near the top. All right, let's make our way down the leaderboard routes. It was, it was a sweepstakes there for a period of time today. And, and I think that's, to be fair, more broadly at, a, at an umbrella level of the tournament. It's probably one of the most entertaining majors we've watched in recent memory. I haven't remembered as open uh, a final two rounds, probably like even last year's Masters, there was excitement because Tiger really ran over the top uh, you know, of, of Francesco Molinari and mm. Tony Finau. But I've not in recent memory, you know, go back to last year's Open Championship, Shane Larry had won it on Saturday, yeah. and it was a fait complete. I've not remembered for some time a major that's been so open, and it was wildly entertaining. It was. I mean, at one point, we were on track for a seven-man playoff. Uh, 
and they would have all played together as a seven ball. And it was for that reason only that I was rooting against Colin Morikawa today. I wanted to see that seven ball playoff. That would have been fantastic. Would have been something truly poetic as well at uh, at the municipal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At TBC Harding Park. Yeah. They should have all like, you know, been able to have a beer in hand. And Paul Casey surprised me a little today. Paul Casey surprised everyone. Uh, you know, he shouldn't have. I mean, you look at his you look at his week 68, 67, 68, 66. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a little bit of a forgotten man. We were talking about this before we hit the record button tonight. You told me 20 career victories. Yeah. 17 of those coming on the... 14. Sorry, 14 of those um, coming on the European Tour. So yeah. six-time winner on the PGA Tour, which is still... Three on the PGA Tour. Two, two on the Asian Tour and one on the PGA Tour of Australasia. Oh, he's come down here in my yeah, He won the ANZ Champ in 2003, but Stuart Appleby and our man Nico Hearn. Uh, there you go. So, but, also, uh, and how long he's been around, yeah. to be fair. Where do you think he sits on the all-time money rankings list? This blew me away. I would think with 20 career victories, 14 of which are on the European Tour and three on the PGA, I would think he'd sit within the... Top 20? 37th. 37th. Not a bad okay. guess. Okay. 37th. He's won $30.5 million. He'll be comfortable. So he is in between Hunter Mayen and Jeff Ogilvy. He's ahead of Mark Leishman, Hideki Matsuyama, Gary Woodland, a lot of these guys. So be interesting to see. I know we've got a question on this and we'll, we'll, we'll come to it at the time. Uh, we, we did put out the call for questions yes. and we've been, uh, we've been inundated, which is... Nice to get a bit of engagement from the listeners of the 19th tee, but I, Paul Casey's kind of been that guy that he's always figured at a Ryder Cup. Mm. He's popular in that setting, in the team environment, and I think um, like a lot of players in that in that environment, he steps up when playing for Team Europe. I I don't remember him figuring like this, you know, for, for some time. He, he's been off my radar, to be brutally honest with you, and he kind of came from the clouds. I think he was off everyone's radar, to be honest. Um, I mean, look, it was... Uh, I, I wouldn't have been disappointed had Paul Casey won, but something... It would have been very 2020 if Paul Casey had won. It's a very it's a very apt way of describing it. You're right. It just been completely unique. Yeah, just something very different. I mean, look, I, I like the guy quite, you know, he was very, very good today. Um, a bit of the stuff got picked up on the mics um, and he seems, he seems like a really good good guy. But you're absolutely right. He's a little bit of a cult figure around the Ryder Cup, a little bit Ian Poulter-ish in that sort of vein and that sort of A little of less era. personality. A little less personality. Absolutely. In the same family. In the same family. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, his three wins at the PGA Tour have been back-to-back at the Valspar Championship in 18 and 19 and the Shell Open in 2009. So they haven't been massive no. um, victories, but... Probably not strong fields. Wouldn't have a depth of field in those. Well, he beat Patrick Reed in the 18 Valspar okay. uh, and Tiger Woods, both runners-up. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2019, he beat Jason Kokrak and Louis Eustace. So you're right. Someone with a bit more of a resume uh, finished T2 as well, mm. uh, Dustin Johnson, uh, who now has the same amount of major victories as Colin Morikawa. And I am very glad that he finished T2 because I declared he couldn't win last week. And I was. <laughs> That's the perfect finish. That's shaving, <laughs> shaving so close. But it's exa- like, that is exactly what you want. Yeah. And we said this when we did the preview pod that we're not interested in give- Don't give me easy. <laughs> 
people that can't win. Norlander. <laughs> you said Dustin Johnson, and he literally couldn't win. I was shitting literally myself. couldn't win. I by, was by shitting two myself. Shots. <laughs> I imagine you were. <laughs> I mean, well, to be honest, Drews, we both were because you said he couldn't win. I said Bryson. Yep, couldn't win. I yep. also, you know, only a few weeks ago slammed Cameron Champ, said he was miles off, said he was further away from winning than he was closer to, and he was figuring there for a period of time. Yeah. So the, the boys from the 19th tee really, um, you know, flying close to, flying the sun, close to the sun. But, you know, <laughs> that's exactly what we want in that prediction. DJ for mine, Drudes, um, I don't know. I like, we're not going to go back over um, territory we've already... We've already hashed out. He is a phenomenal player. You know, anyone who wins 21 times in the PGA Tour, we've spoken about being generational. We've also spoken about the knock on him beyond his uh, apathetic personality is probably an inability to deliver at this level. And I'm conscious that, you know, some 10, 15 minutes ago, I said that doesn't necessarily make you Mm. uh, not a great player because he is. But there's also stats that he can't escape. I mean... He is, he is now, and I'm, I'm just pulling this up, he's 0-4 in attempting to convert 54-hole leads in major championships. Yeah. You know, he first player to finish runner-up in the PGA in back-to-back years. I mean, he was in his exact same position 12 months ago. So, like, he, I, I don't know, there's just something that I think when we get to the end of Dustin Johnson's career, and we've spoken about this before, he will be one of the great players of his generation, but there'll always be a what-if that hangs over his head, I think. I just don't think he cares. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just, I, I don't know if it's possible to not care as much as he does. He genuinely just, he doesn't show any emotion no. at all. I mean, look, next year, uh, PGA Championship goes back to Carolina, so to Kiowa. So there's, yeah, maybe it's the homecoming. On the home track. Yeah, maybe it's the homecoming the for, home track. for DJ. But, yeah, I don't think he... It was frustrating to watch today, watching a, DJ, to be honest. He hit a 68 today. Mm. Uh, where do you think, looking at the numbers, where do you think it fell apart? I'm going to tell you, but off the top of your head, have a guess where it fell apart for Dustin Johnson today. As in which part of his game? Yes. Putting? Yes. So he led the field in strokes gained putting through three rounds. Huh. He ranked 33rd in that statistic today. Yeah, right. I did not know that. Um, just he, watching it today, it looked like that. He had also put an old putter back in the bag. He put the old big spider mallet back in the bag. He, you know, it's, it's a club he's been testing yeah. a variety. I think he took three different putters in the first three tournaments back in the resumption mm. um, of the of the tour. But put the old mallet back in the bag this week, and it was working up until today. So that's you know to lead strokes game putting through three rounds and then rank thirty third in that in the final round. It's clear where that fell apart from today. But yeah. again, it's it's another what if. 0-4 in converting 54-hole leads in majors. Yeah, disappointing for him, I think. Um, Jason Day. I want to go there next. I know we've skipped over a name, but he is tied uh, He's tied with Matthew Wolf and a few others who we'll get to in a moment. Yep. Jay Day. Uh, we, we spoke about how much his... Uh, you know, his form, you know, three consecutive top tens leading into this mm. tournament was defying the fact that you know, two weeks ago, he was struggling to bend to pick the ball out of the cut after mm. putts. You know, he's, we know the ongoing issues, particularly with his back. He, it was vintage Jada. It was Jada who won the PGA yeah. Championships just a few years ago. Yeah. He was very, very good. Very, I mean, it was vintage Jada on Thursday and Sunday 
Throughout the weekend, he was serviceable. He was only one under par. Um, but, I mean, across two days of golf being Thursday and Sunday, he was nine under par. Fantastic two days of golf. But, unfortunately, you've got to play consistently well to be able to uh, to, to win majors. He he looked like he was enjoying enjoying it a lot more. There were times where he was interacting with the camera. Um, you know, he was there was things getting picked up on the mics. It was very pleasing to watch him play so well. He putted fantastically. Uh, you know, I think it was like a forty-five footer or something today. It was a birdie on one of the par threes uh, that kind of catapulted him back up. Because when I started watching, he was maybe I don't know seven under. I thought, whoa, this is mate, this is maybe one shot too far back for Jada to get to, and mm. threw his hat in the ring and got to level with them all. But um, I got very excited. Mm. Uh, chip, chipped in for birdie on fourteen. Mm. He at that stage, that's that's a birdie that takes him to to ten under, and he's got four holes to play. You know, I, I like I was up out of my chair after he chips in on fourteen to go to ten under. Mm. Uh, that's a tough stretch, 15 through 18, but he um, didn't pick up another stroke. He went pars all the way home in the last four holes. And, yeah. You know, even if he maybe just, you know, dropped one or two there to put a bit more scoreboard pressure on those behind him, but uh, it wasn't to be. I, I stumbled across a great stat courtesy of uh, Darren Walton, the AAP uh, writer, a number of different sports. Loves his golf, though. Uh, how's this for a stat? Bloody tough era to win golf majors, even tougher with young Colin Morikawa now on the scene. Most top 10s at majors since 2010. Dustin Johnson uh, and Rory McIlroy share 18 top 10 finishes with Jason Day. Is that right? It's his 18th top 10 finish in a major since 2010 today. He's had 10 top five finishes in 38 major starts. Wow. So he, like, in terms of, obviously, you know, we've, we've been starved of... Aussie major success in recent years, himself at the PGA Championship, Adam Scott at the Masters. But he is always there or thereabouts. To have 18 uh, top 10 finishes since 2010 and five, sorry, 10 top fives in all 38 of his major starts, when, you know, when we go to that very next level, he is always there and thereabouts as Jay Daney was there again. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And going to a point you said where, you, you know, if you just put one shot on, it might have changed. It might have just added a little bit more scoreboard pressure. I just wonder if he was able to, you know, he was three groups ahead of Morikawa, I think, if if he was just able to birdie one of those, uh, you know, final holes. 14, 15 and 16 were very, very difficult holes and the pin position on 17 was tough as well. But if he was able to birdie one of those, I just wonder if it maybe would have put some scoreboard pressure on for Morikawa to reassess pulling driver on 16. I mean, look, I don't know. One of the great what-if questions. It is one of the great what-if questions. I don't know that it would have, you know, watching the way that he so confidently stepped up. I hope it wouldn't have, but I just wonder if if everyone was at, you know, if Jason Day was at 11 under, Morikawa was at 11 under, are we uh, we still pulling the big stick out? Going to be really curious to see how he handles the body now in the context of, you know, the US Open and the Masters coming, um, yeah. you know, in short succession. He's now played four consecutive events. You'd imagine he'd take some time off. Um, I'd hope to give, so. the, give the body a rest. Cause well, we're coming to FedEx Cup, FedEx Cup playoffs. Yeah, I, I would, I'd much rather see him. I mean, it's obviously he's not going to um, withdraw from, from those, uh, but 
I'd much rather see him get the body right for those two majors. Well, he and, can pull out of Wyndham this week. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Jay Day, uh, hats off to him. He's, I think, he's obviously the subject of a lot of criticism. People um, unfairly questioning his his desire at times and the way in which he goes about his business through injury. But once again, he showed um, that on his day, he can match it with the very best in the world. Uh, one of the players who I skipped over at 10 under, Matthew Wolf. Mm. Uh, Caught absolute fire mm-hmm. holes seven through uh, seven through ten. Mm. So he went from I believe it was four under to nine under in the space of four holes. Mm-hmm. Birdie, 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 eagle. Yeah, yeah. It was it was quite 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 incredible to watch actually. And I mean, I think it goes to sort of what we were talking about TBC Harding Park playing into this bombers paradise type thing and i think that's reflected in this in the leaderboard particularly with dj wolf shambo female very very long hitters of the ball matthew wolf drove the ball very well today um and, and i said he was one of the players who was further away from success in, in our piece and i'm still right so <laughs> so it's fine yet to be proven wrong um I, I really like matthew wolf there are a lot of knocks on him for his swing and and how funky it is, but I'm I'm still on board, Matthew Wolf. At this oh, point absolutely, in time. and and I mean he he went on to have a bogey and two more birdies um, in the remainder of the back nine. So mm-hmm. again, another player who, if another one or two parts drop, he puts genuine scoreboard pressure on, and we're talking about potentially, you know, a, a, a Morikawa Wolf one-two finish when in the context of the next five, six, seven years of, of golf with those two players at the top and Victor Huge. Hovland, who may not have figured at the top of the leaderboard, but also played some very good golf this weekend. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of Matt Wolf. I'm a big fan of the personality he brings to the game. Those shoes were unreal. Mm. I love them. I, yeah, know, I, know, cool. I know not everybody does. I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but I think he is, you know, for as as wildly talented as Colin Morikawa is, he's, you know, he's probably the, in terms of his conservative nature and his elite focus and talent, he's kind of like the tiger of his generation yeah. where Wolf is that, that personality. I think that, you know, that, that may not necessarily have his talent or his drive, but he's going to factor purely on just a bit of natural flair. It's just got uh, more personality. Oh, hundred percent. So it was great Colin to Morikawa see. looks like he is the, Stereotypical private schoolboy. Yeah, Matthew absolutely. Wolf is his state schoolboy, <laughs> and I like Matthew Wolf a lot better than Colin oh, I love Matty Wolf. Uh, also finishing uh, at ten under, Druids tied for fourth. Uh, a man who had an interesting week, uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, his best finish, by the way, in a major. Previously, this was T fifteen, uh, T four. Now his best finish in a major, and uh, I think you would have thought at the beginning of today uh let's see how he started off the top of my head i think it was three birdies in the first yeah. four holes so got away birdie birdie par birdie yeah par par birdie uh so four birdies in the first seven holes a lot of people were saying the beefy boy was on his way to a maiden major victory mm, and then bogey the next two um yeah there's a bit to unpack on bryson i mean <laughs> look the disappointing thing with this um uh, well i mean look there weren't any antics this week, um, apart from the driver snapping, obviously, which is sort of whatever. Um, we've got... Yeah, I think there was so much made of that. And, and I think it's like, it was funny, 
for the best part of three minutes. It was Thor losing his hammer. Yeah, that's where. And um, then and then it, it got absolutely flogged. Yeah, he's got f- four hundred majors to go in his life because he's living to one hundred and thirty. That's right. He's plenty of time to compete. So he's got four hundred left. And I swear to God, if I have to listen to Bryson DeChambeau talk shit for 400 <laughs> majors, that'll do me. Did you see his If quote, our podcast is still going in 100 years. Did you see his quote uh, prior? I think it might have been prior to round one. So he'd probably played a couple of practice rounds, Tuesday, Wednesday. And he said something along the lines of, I probably won't let it go fully this weekend. I just kind of feel like I can't rip it. The rough here is a little too penalising. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's the point, mate. <laughs> like, that's the whole idea of letting the rough grow out yeah, is that it penalises you for just letting it rip. Yeah, you miss the point. Let it rip. Yeah. Like, go for it. Please do, it but you may get punished. And, hey, you're playing golf. That's yeah. the entire idea. Yeah. Yep, I agree. I mean, look, Bryson, I, I, thought, he was, I thought he was charging today. I, I really, really thought that he was going to win it for, for a period of time there. Um, even when he... Bogey uh, eight and nine, I think it was. Um, he was still. Oh, I thought, oh gee, here we go. Um, I mean, look, just just touching on him breaking his driver. I mean, there are a lot of people asking why he could replace his driver, but the ruling is like because he was just leaning on it. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't you. So you can't replace a club if it's damaged in an act of, you know, attempt. Like you snap the club over yeah. the knee, or yeah, you you smack it into the ground and bend your shaft. You can't replace that club. Um, it was deemed that he simply was leaning. Yeah, it um, was like the on the club act of golf or whatever. It yeah, is. and I, I imagine given that driver has we've seen it ad nauseum in videos, <laughs> belting the absolute piss out of practice balls. Um, you know, in the last few weeks, it probably uh, given overuse and his slightly larger frame now leaning on it probably just reached its literal breaking point. <laughs> um, I would love to see them change the rule about that to see to say. I mean, one of two ways. Do what it do with it. What you will. Uh, if if you break a club in any matter, you just don't get to replace it. Because I, for one, would have loved to have seen Bryson tee off with his three wood for the rest of the day yeah. and still outdrive the rest of the field. Well, particularly with the struggle. I mean, albeit it was out of heavy rough and he was just stubborn as an ass not to take a different club a couple of weeks ago when he hit, hit a ten mm-hmm. because he kept hitting his three wood out of the um, out of the wilderness. But yeah, it would have been interesting to see him, as you say, uh, probably match many of his opponents in, in distance hitting with his three wood. I, I was impressed, you know, we can't um, brush over the fact that a T4 finish is far and away his best finish. Mm. I will say, Drew, it's that, you know, we mentioned four birdies in the first seven holes mm. uh, and the wheels just fell off. And I still have questions over his ability to convert between the ears. Mm. And I think that will continue to be his biggest hurdle. Uh, and he can bulk up as much as he likes and get as long as he likes. But the fact of the matter is, I still think, um, you know, on the biggest stage, there is, a, there is a hesitance and a reticence to take that final step. I mean, he came back two birdies on the back nine at 14 and 16. 18, you know, what, what is he? He gets he birdie 16 to go to 10 under. Mm. Um, 18, he absolutely piped his drive on 18. Mm. Again, short wedge, which has been the issue, but an opportunity to, you know, to absolutely, you know, hose the pin 
and, and birdie go to 11 under, put a bit of scoreboard pressure on, and I think he left his wedge. Yeah, 25 like, foot. Yeah, very more, front of the green. You I know, think. like uh, it's just one of those things like that, that that the very best players, the players who win majors, put that within three feet, take a birdie, go and sign your card and let the others come and beat you. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I think it'll be a really good learning experience for him. Obviously, this is his first major since he went through this massive transformation and, and, and whatever. Birdies on fourteen and sixteen, like that's he deserves credit for that. They're pretty tough holes, those. But you're absolutely right. Uh, yeah, he he left a lot of shots out there. Even his putting today wasn't. You know, there were a few that sort of just burned past the edge. Um, but yeah, I think you said Bryson wasn't going to win, and he's finished T four. So well done. Thank you, Drudes. Uh, also finishing ten under at T four, Tony Finau. Mm. I mean. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. Tied for the lead at one point on Sunday. Finishes three strokes back. He's now finished in the top five in each of the four major championships. How's that for a stat? 31 top 10 finishes on the PGA Tour over the last four seasons. 15 more than any other player without a win in that stretch. He is always the bridesmaid, never the bride. Yeah, he is. Um, There's the Puerto Rico Open. The 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 curse curse. continues. The curse continues. (laughs) The the Tony Finau Memorial. And uh, please don't don't uh, uh, like don't misunderstand. I would love nothing more than to see Tony Finau win a tournament. I really and like nothing him. more than to see him win a major. I really like things. the guy. But there's there's something about. I mean, that's phenomenal. Thirty-one top ten finishes on the PGA Tour in the last four seasons, which is fifteen more than the next best player without a win in that time. It's ultra consistent, and he'll be earning a bucket load of money. Oh, too. cash galore! <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be a Paul Casey. Yeah. By the end of his career, he's gonna sit in the top twenty in the money list. And have won maybe three times if he's lucky. How good? That's the dream. That's that's Blue Mountain State. They built a whole <laughs> TV show out of that. <laughs> QB2, baby. Yeah. Just be QB2. Uh, the only other player there probably that, that we were worth mentioning from a, a score perspective, uh, Scotty Scheffler, who I think captured the imagination, particularly uh, on Saturday with a 65. Mm. Um, he is a, he is a, a, a Texas native, uh, resides in Dallas. One of the um, uber popular members of the tour, Corn Ferry Tour graduate up on the PGA Tour. Uh, and, and probably not surprisingly, but it would have been a great story. He did fall away today, um, hitting, a, hitting a 68, which is, you know, finishing, finishing a major with a score of 68 is you know, pretty impressive, but not when um, your winner hits 64 and most above you are in the 65, 66s. So Correct. Scotty Scheffler rounds out um, those at 10 under T4. Probably just a couple of other quick names, Drudes. Um, Xander, who we had a lot of wraps on, uh, T10 at 8 under, 66, 70, 69, 67. Just that Friday, Saturday again. Yeah, again. Similar to Jason Day's week, really. But yet another, yet another top 10 finish. So I think mm-hmm. that's now... Five of 11 or five of 12 in majors in top 10s. You know, he is on the precipice of either winning or or dangerously close to joining Tony Finau's category of <laughs> consistently in the top 10s. Um, Cameron Champ, we mentioned, had a, a, a decent week, particularly Saturday, Sunday. He's trying to get a... Sorry, sorry. Friday, he was Saturday. A co-leader at one point and today. He was the co-leader at one point today. Um, fell away to be eight under T10. Uh, we mentioned Patrick Reed 66 today, T13 to finish at seven under. Uh, John Rahm, yep. after uh, he had some issues, he was he was unhappy on on Saturday with a moving cameraman. 
Um, he had some choice words. He yeah. then went and stood in front of said cameraman so he couldn't get shots. Uh, we won't go too hard, but it was worth mentioning because it's the type of petulant behaviour we've criticised others for on this yes. podcast, and so we can't escape criticism. Nope. Um, he was your player that you would like to see win, so well done. T13, yes. that's commendable. Not bad. Um, where's a couple of the names here? Daniel Berger, Mr. Consistent, again, 67-67. He was uh, well and truly in the hunt coming into the weekend, but a, a Saturday 70 let him down. Uh, similar sort of story for Brendan Todd, 65. He was my smoky. Unbelievable. <laughs> I think we shot all... 65, I thought, here we go. I'm Nostradamus. <laughs> we, finished, we finished Thursday, Brendan Todd's, I think, in the lead. I think five under leading the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... What's his weekend look like? Yeah, average two over. Yeah, 70, 72, uh, and then 67 today. Uh, and then probably the only other one I want to mention here, Drudes, is a gentleman who also finished uh, at six under, T17, who at one stage, um, making it very uncomfortable for this podcast, almost threatened to probably have no episode tonight had he won the tournament. I wouldn't have. Uh, How Tong Lee. Yeah, no, nah, absolutely would not have happened. I would have boycotted in protest. Mm of it, um, it would have been an out-and-out disaster had he won. Mm. That's as simple as it, what it was. I, I, I and I think the general golfing public don't have a lot of time for How Tong Lee after the way he acted at the President's Cup. I mean, if you don't want to be there, don't be there. Someone else will gladly take that spot. Just everything that there was around that. He played very well. You can't deny that. But, um, yeah, just I, I'm so glad he did not win this tournament. Uh, and as we mentioned at the top, an unbelievably inane amount of time spent on the, uh, the yeah, driving range. Go home. Unbelievable. Did he get a hotel? He, that may, or, I mean, he may have played himself out of being attention by literally wearing out the body on the range. Uh, and also in terms of the Aussies, obviously we finished Jason Day T4. Adam Scott T22. Cam Smith T43. Uh, uh, Leishman Jones and Herbert all missing. Good for Scotty T22 first tournament back absolutely that's very serviceable mm-hmm. given the quality of play at harding park this week for scotty to uh to finish t22 as you mentioned in his first tournament back now drew it's a couple of other storylines not yes. sure if you uh were aware did you know it was foggy there this week at uh tpc harding park i actually don't know they touched on it to be fair on the broadcast i definitely didn't see any overlay footage uh or, or shots of the fog over particularly today it was barely mentioned i swear to fuck the next time we go back to san francisco <laughs> Uh, like I think it's foggy it's I would foggy be quite there. happy if we don't go back to San Francisco so I never have to hear them talk about the fog yeah. again because oh that rolled me up something chronic that did did you also know that Colin Morikawa went to University of California Berkeley just a 25 minute drive away <laughs> <laughs> the Bears the Bears golf team would be going uh, crazy right now broadcast no, another stellar weekend this was probably the worst I reckon it's been for quite some time, disappointingly. Mm. Um, the one that highlighted for me was on Saturday, maybe. Yeah, I think it was Saturday. And they went to an ad break. They came back, showed the leaderboard. So they went to an ad break. Jason Day was seven under. Went to, came back, showed the leaderboard. Jason Day had gone to eight under. Mm. Mentioned that Jason Day had now tied Hao Tong Lee for the lead, shown a couple of minutes of footage, probably some fog. (laughs) And then they've come back and shown Jason Day's putt at seven under for him to tie the lead. And they've mentioned this is for Jason Day to tie. I know he fucking ties the lead. (laughs) I'm aware. Oh, they were 
they were so bad. This it's week. incredibly patronising. It is, to be fair. It's it is, and it makes as a golf fan, it makes you feel dumb watching it when they don't like don't don't tell me what's going on. I can see it. I've got eyes. So I was just about to say, like, I, I think you give them somewhat, albeit a very minor pass on the week of majors with the knowledge that there's probably a, a percentage of the audience who are tuning in for the one of three or four golf yes. tournaments that they watch in a year. But the majority of the audience are like you, me and our listeners who tune in week in, week out and deserve to be treated with just a pittance more respect than what we do week in, week out from CBS. It's uber frustrating as well for those of us here in Australia when all you read about, um, if you know, you're like me and you have nothing better of your time than get um, lost in the rabbit warren that is golf Twitter, all you read about, Druids, was the quality of Scott Van Pelt mm. on the ESPN coverage. Mm. Um, and uber frustrating when obviously uh, we, uh, you know, we're monopolised in terms of the coverage of what we're able to get here um, unless you decide to pay for your other passes. But I just think it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. I know why it is. I know that the guys like... Um, what Fox used to be like with the US Open and now ESPN when they dabble in certain tournaments. You can probably try things that, that CBS or NBC can't week in, week out. But it shouldn't be the case that the guys that do one or two a year are so markedly better than the guys that do it week in, week out. Yeah. I, it's just like I think even for the rusted on golf fan and those who are just tuning in for a couple of events a year, educate me not about san francisco i don't care about the golden gate bridge like i'm here to watch a golf tournament right i could literally watch a thousand documentaries about the city of san francisco yeah i don't care i've seen prison break all right i get it (laughs) but just uh, the most interesting part i found about the broadcast was when they did an aerial shot and you could see tbc harding park you could see olympic club you could see san francisco golf club and they explained a little bit of the history i was like that's great. That was good for 30 seconds. Yeah. That's all it needed to be. And then they went back to showing golf shots. Like, I don't mind that sort of education piece. Yeah. Tell me why it's good to hit the ball down the left-hand side of this fairway. Because I haven't played there. I'm not going to play there. Yeah. That's the sort of interesting stuff. Instead of just showing me shot tracer that goes off into the bloody bushes. No one cares. So I think the only saving grace for the broadcast was Phil Mickelson. Yeah. Uh, Phil's cameo in the booth... Uh, was one of the great off the off the bench performances uh, we've seen in, in in recent memory. He was uh, the way that he complimented rather than dominated, which is so often the case of the personalities in that CBS broadcast. Everyone wants to be Jim Nance. There's mm. only one. There's only one Jim Nance. There's only one captain, mm. and everyone's trying to you know posture for position, whether it's. Faldo, whether it's Nobolo, everyone's trying to have their two cents worth. Phil just came in. He provided great insight. He had a couple of pot shots at Sir Nick. He had a laugh with Jim. And I thought, I mean, not that any of us are surprised, he he will walk into the commentary box whenever he decides to finish playing. He was excellent. He was. Part of me hopes he doesn't walk into the commentary box. (laughs) No, genuinely, because he will... Because he will not have the freedom to do no. what he did today. Mm. He will end up getting moulded into 
another Ian Baker Finch or we'll become uh, part of the system. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I actually really like Ian Baker Finch. I think he provides some quite good analysis, but even like Nick Faldo kind of annoys me sometimes. Cernic, yeah. but yes, yeah, sorry. He annoys me sometimes. Um, but yeah, you're right. Phil was, was, was fantastic. Um, and oh, look, obviously unfortunate <laughs> that his weekend, uh, and his tournament was, was pretty average, but, uh, good to get him in the, in the commentary booth. Uh, that's enough on broadcast. We've probably gone too long, though, without mentioning uh, Brooks Kepka uh, and his Sunday 74. Yeah, plus, yeah, four over today. Just really went went backwards today. Uh, finished T29, dropped 25 spots today. Uh, finished behind Scotty. Um, yeah, he came out yesterday and said, oh, have you got the quote there? I'll pull it up. I'll, I'll uh, you got procrastinate it? No, while you pull okay. it up. Basically, he, he, well, I mean, he started off by saying that he was two shots back from DJ and that given the context of, you know, be a, being a two-time uh, winner, I think trying to become only the third person in modern, uh, modern golf history to win the PGA Championship on three consecutive occasions, sitting two shots back, he was fairly confident. Um, yeah. And then he had a, a quite bizarre, uh, I, I mean, I thought that his grudges and his personal pot shots, particularly in the public forum, were reserved for <laughs> one person. Um, <laughs> and particularly, I thought he's generally had quite a good relationship with Dustin Johnson right up until uh, there were some whispers about the two of them post Ryder Cup last year and the loss mm. for the Americans. But it was quite a bizarre uh I suppose outburst at Dustin Johnson. He said, um, so he was obviously asked about what do you, how do you think you'll go, um, you know, blah, blah, blah. I like my chances. When I've been in this position before, I've capitalised DJ's only one, one. So Referring to majors, of course. Referring to majors. Put to one side that DJ's won four or five times the amount of tournaments total yeah. that, that Brooks has. And, and you know, we spoke about before the fact that majors don't necessarily make the man, but clearly in Brooks's mind, because he's won more than most, that's what he chooses to count more than total wins. Which uh, is fine. If he I wants mean, that's to. Brooks. That's Brooks, right? And people, like, don't get me wrong, people absolutely love him. And I saw a great tweet today. It said something along the lines of, um, if you loved Brooks and now don't love him because he knocked DJ and went out and hit a, a 74 on Sunday, then you never really loved Brooks, mm. which is spot on. Mm-hmm. Because you can't jump on and off someone like Brooks Kepsi. You either do or you don't. Personally, I don't. Mm. Uh, but that's just me. And plenty do. And I think, you know, in many respects, much like I don't love what Bryson's been doing in the last three months, but I respect it and it's good for the game because it gets people talking. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I, I, I actually thought it was quite strange. And I really, really enjoyed the fact that, um, and it's probably because I have a, a a significant soft spot for the man. I love the fact that Rory McIlroy stepped up mm. and said that anyone who's won 21 times in the PGA Tour is a great player. Yes. Uh, and that he found it quite odd that Brooks would not would knock DJ in that fashion. Rory was the unsung hero of the week. It's not on this run sheet, but the ruling where the... Uh, Friday it was, yeah. where the, uh, the on-course reporter uh, potentially, for not ESPN. confirmed, potentially stood on his ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he then called in a rules official um, because I believe 
it was sitting in a better lie than what he knew his ball to have originally landed. Yeah, so they pulled it out. So she stood on it. He pulled it out, was allowed to place, and yeah. he said that would have been better than what it was. What an honourable man he is. Absolutely. And, you know, he talked about the fact that um, he considers golf to be a game of integrity and rules and the gentleman's game and all those things that you expect people to say. Well, most people to say. Uh, not Patrick all, Reed. Not all um, <laughs> in, in those situations. But, I mean, obviously, it didn't do him any good. Uh, where did he finish? I don't actually end? know. So yeah, I'm still scrolling say. down. I'm down to T51. Uh, where is he? I'll just search McElroy. Yeah, T33. There two you under. go. Two under T33. Uh, finished with a 68 today after 70, 69, 71. Again, um, we will probably get lost in talking about the fact that um, how, how much of a good bloke he is and not concentrate on the fact that he hasn't factored again at a major. But I liked the fact that he, he stood in and I, I think just, you know, maybe maybe put Brooks in his place a little bit and say, you may have won four majors, but understand that you're talking about a, a generational player and Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Um, and of course, as you say, uh, you know, set himself apart as we've spoken about time and again, how much of a statesman he is, how much of a leader he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in terms of his generation, he is the out and out leader mm-hmm. that people look to. Uh, and, and he once again proved that with his absolute commitment to the rules and the integrity of the game on I, Friday. I did like it. One more that I forgot to add on here, and I think we just need to mention it, even though I know you won't want to, but Spieth again misses the chance for the Grand Slam. Pretty average week, really. As as bad as it has looked. Yeah. Oh, particularly. Not, not, to, not to overstate, but so three over on Thursday. Yeah. And then um, there were those unbelievably morbid shots of him on the range mm. for, I mean, we, we joked about how long, how Tong Lee was on the range. It wasn't that long, but uh, you know, there's a fine line between how long a player should stay at the range post round or get there too early prior to a round. And he, I think he was there for two to three hours yeah. post his round on Friday with his, um, with Cam McCormick, his coach. And at times there were shot strudes of him. Not he, he didn't have a club in his hand. He was sitting on the ground, kind of just staring vaguely into space. Uh, and and the juxtaposition of of that, you know, crossing back to the players out on course and just how completely lost he looked. Now he came back on on Friday and hit a two under sixty eight. Yeah, got himself somewhat back in the tournament. Uh, went out on Saturday and hit a six over seventy six. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, like that is, uh, and it, it brings me no, like literally no joy to talk about this, but the, not just what was happening on the course, but how I actually saw a tweet um, from Alan Shipnuck, who's the senior writer for uh, golf.com, mm-hmm. one, of the, one of the most respected journos uh, of golf, particularly over in the States. He, he mentioned that he walked past Jordan Spieth on the way to the range on, on one of the four days. It wasn't um, the Friday that we're talking about. I can't remember which day it was exactly. Uh, and, and he said the, the difference in him, in the man that he saw walk past him, say, to, you know, four or five years ago in terms of the aura that he carried, the, the confidence that he exuded, uh, he said it was as lost as he's seen him, mm. I think was the words in the tweet. And, uh, Oh, I, that, that's telling. It looked like it. it like that's that's as bad as I've seen him. Uh, and, and you know that I study 
study the man closer than most, mm. it was concerning. It was, yeah. And those range, um, those range shots, as you were talking about, as well, they looked like it almost looked like it got to a point where it was like, we need to fix this now, mm. right now, overnight, and we're going to go to the range and we're going to go and sort it out right now. And it just wasn't working for him. I don't know what the answer is for for Jordan right now, but. Uh, I would hopefully say to you some time, but he had three months off like everybody else. I'm sure it'll come around. I mean, look, Jason Day was, uh, I, I know the speed's troubles have probably gone on a little bit longer than Jason's have, but, you know, we were talking about Jason Day being done, essentially, mm. or his career being at a crossroads. Jordan Spieth's only 25, 6, 7, 27, something yeah, ridiculously young, right? So he's got a, a long way ahead of him. I know people like yeah. People probably get absolutely sick of how much I talk about him, but irrespective of whether or not you have an admiration for him that matches mine, it's undeniable that golf, at the you know, at the macro level, is infinitely better when Jordan Spieth is playing. Well. Of course, it is. The day he wins a tournament, regardless of what it is, will be. One of golf's Absolutely. great stories. It's yeah. It, it's let, let's not kid ourselves. It's not going to be um, the 2019 Masters, no. but it will be. You know, it will be in the vein in terms of he hasn't he hasn't experienced both the personal and professional woes the Tiger did. No. But make no mistake, he is he is at rock bottom at the moment. I would say, aside from Tiger, there has been no player in my recent mm. memory that has been as heavily criticised as Jordan Spieth. Absolutely. And, and to provide further context, the way that we were speaking about Colin Morikawa at the start of this podcast is the way that people were talking about Jordan Spieth at the same age. Correct. If not, Spieth being better. Mm. You know, he was the best player at that age since Tiger. Yeah. Uh, and so to see the the dramatic drop-off to where he finds himself now, uh, it's it's concerning. It is concerning. Couple other bits. Uh, Ricky Fowler duffed a putt. <laughs> um, how's, how's that? That was... and missed the cup by one. I know. <laughs> like, I had to laugh for, for people who didn't see it. Uh, like it, it's something that happens, you know, literally probably eighteen times in a round. So you know, thousands of times across a weekend for all the players. He was stepping up, took a practice swing behind the ball, yeah. and 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 duffed his duffed yeah. his ball went an inch. He was just stepping up to tap it in, and yeah, and misses the and, and miss bogeys the, the hole, misses the cup by one. Yeah, oh, that probably to be fair, that probably sums up where Ricky's at. Yeah, where he has been at yeah, for some time. I think so. I agree. Um, I thought actually before we get to the fashion on the field, um, <laughs> I don't write it, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce, uh, we'll just run through very quickly the notables to miss the cut. Yes, Ricky Fowler, Henrik Stenson, Kevin Nah, Matt Kuchar. Graham McDowell, Sergio Garcia, Danny Willett. The one name that's on here that is probably worth just noting is Sungjae Im. Yeah. So he finished T10 at the Charles Schwab. His best result since then was T35 at the WGC last week. He's missed three cuts. Now, this is a guy that we said when we did our close to further away, I think we said that he would be easily the best out of that group at the end of their career. We did. And based on form to that point, he was. Correct. Uh, this is a guy who maybe the travels caught up with because he obviously he doesn't stop. <laughs> he doesn't. He, stop. He, well, he can't go home. He'll have to join the army. Well, 
So what did he do during COVID? Did he uh, just fly around America? I think he just kept going. Well, it was better than going home. Would have been conscripted. We would have not seen for two years. <laughs> he, just, so, he went to the cities where the tournaments were going to be played. Just had to keep going. Just keep, <laughs> We cannot go backwards. Must move forward. Uh, but yeah, concerning run of form for, for Sung Jim. Um, particularly when we know that he's capable of so much more. So it's a good, it's a good one to call out. Uh, briefly, fashions on the field. We've mentioned Matthew Wolf's, um, you know, very on-brand tie-dye San Francisco shoes. Loud. Love to see them. Speaking of loud, Eric Van Royen, yeah. uh, the the South African, mm-hmm. uh, with the uh, what do you call the pants? They call them joggers. Is that what know. they call the style of pants? I don't know. With the uh, the I tight cuff anything. cut off at the ankle, uh, into a hoodie option. I personally loved it. Don't care. Uh, there was an absolute conniption in some corners of the golfing community. God forbid someone shows their ankles <laughs> and wears a hood on their jumper. I don't, I the don't, game might fall apart. I don't. I actually don't care. <laughs> like, wear whatever you want. Can we have some context as well? I mean, I I don't want to go down the rabbit hole on this, but for Hark's sake, he didn't do it at Augusta National. He didn't even do it no. in the U.S. Open. He did it at the Players Major. Yeah, he'd do whatever he wants in in San Francisco on a municipal course. <laughs> like, have some. In context, you idiots. The man wants to wear joggers and a hoodie at the PGA Championship. Let him do it. He didn't do it at St Andrews. Like, relax. Let him wear shorts. Uh, speaking of fantastic fashion... Um, That's probably the most worked up you've ever done on this podcast. Oh, I just... It makes my blood boil when we consider the multitude of larger issues than that that confront the game and the amount of time, energy and focus we invest in what people wear. Completely agree. Uh, Speaking of time, energy and focus on fashion, um, no one gives it greater focus than than golf Jesus. Um, Tommy Ladd played pretty well this weekend. Apart from today. Apart from today. uh, It was was refreshing and bloody enjoyable to see him back, um, you know, amongst the top top 10 in in a major. He hasn't figured in a while. Shit, those cardigans look good, though. Didn't they ever? Goodness gracious me. Didn't they ever? I very much liked them. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, I'm probably not going to go and buy one myself because <laughs> I can't pull it off like Tommy Fleetwood can, but I very much liked it. Um, Christ. Martin Keimer. Yes. Now, I'd like to come up with a name for this. Yes. I don't know what it... It's going to be. Maybe we can put it out to the, the, the fans who have stuck with us. I mean, we're now more than an hour into the, this podcast, but um, it is our first PGA Championship, our first major. Um, it's a major of, Monday. It is major Monday. Um, so we would we, we have to be excused for this and we've still got a bit to go. Martin Keimer shot a 466 on Thursday. He then shot 12 over on Friday to miss the cut. So the fall, so the fall of the week... I don't know. We've got to come up with a Did name. Did put him one off the lead on Friday? Was the lead 500 or 600 yeah, I think it was 600. So two off the lead on... On Thursday. Friday, Thursday. Yeah. To miss the cup. Yeah. Shot 12 over. So, uh, yeah. I, I'm sure good. we can workshop a name uh, in the next week. If anyone out there has any sort of uh, name that they would like to submit to the, the fall of the week. Preferably, the, I'd like it to be a fall in a sporting contest. So, yeah. was it a steeple chaser? Was it a figure skater? Yeah. Was it, we need, we need a fall 
that has a sporting tie. Maybe there's something around like Stephen Bradbury that we can tie in there, but that's sort of the reverse of what we're it talking is the reverse. about. Maybe it's the reverse. Stephen yes. Bradbury. We were talking about his competitors in, in that context. So anyway, submit your, submit your suggestions. The fall of the week. Well, I mean, there's no question that Martin Keimer owns the yet to be named award. <laughs> he has uh, the that's, that's phenomenal. What's Speaking of our 16 gallery. shot turnaround. Yeah. Bizarre. I know all about 16 shot turnarounds. <laughs> between holes um questions from the gallery you yes. put it out there great engagement yeah, great was. engagement from the from the folks we actually got a heap of questions so we had to pick out the ones that we could uh put to air because we wanted to chat about them and answer them we also had um three hellos yeah great so, like fantastic appreciate you dropping by and, and and passing on your well wishes obviously you misunderstood the direction yeah, um, but thank you for dropping by. Absolutely. Feel free to, to keep going. Let's start with um, at DT Plunkett asked, how good would a Colin Morikawa slash Tiger Woods pairing look at the Ryder Cup? I think the answer is very good. Yeah, well, I mean, it uh, goes without saying. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, I mean, Tiger has, where did he finish up this week? He was up around Rory, uh, wasn't he? So Tiger finished... T37 at one under. Mm. We didn't really touch on cat much, but... No, I mean... Um, it was a large amount of eventful weekend. Four over through Friday, Saturday. Started with a 68, finished with a 67. So not bad. I mean, given, uh, you know, given he's had very little competitive golf, given he couldn't... I mean, short of a, an open championship, that was literally the worst weather conditions for where he's at in his mm. career. And the fact that he needs to activate the glutes and work for three hours in the warm up on the back, etc. Terribly cold there yeah. in San Francisco. It's so, pretty foggy too. No, was it? Yeah. I didn't see the fog. Um, not not the type of conditions that Tiger, uh, you know, needs at this point in his career. So, I think. I mean, I'm I'm reticent to commit to anything with the cat. I don't know what what he looks like. You know, when we're talking about a Ryder Cup that's now been postponed to 2021, but. If he's still playing, I would say it would be wild to think he won't be there in a captain's pick. Um, he obviously showed an enormous, an enormous affinity to playing with Justin Thomas at the President's Cup. Mm. However, um, purely for the the poetic, uh, maybe passing of the baton moment, it would be great to see them go out and play. Uh, I would like to think. Not even in a four wall. I'd like to see the foursomes. The alternate shot between those two would mm. be unreal. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Colin and Tiger play one thing together and then Tiger has some sort of ceremony back at the hotel where he passes on the the tea Maybe. To, Maybe. to Colin Morikawa and says, here, you're now paired with Justin Thomas. Tiger kind of strikes me as the type of person who'd have, uh, who'd rather have the tea um, grasped out of his cold, dead hands. Yeah. I don't think he'd be passing on anything. But, you know, the metaphor is there. And I, I think that, um, to DT Plunkett's point, uh, excellent pairing at excellent the Ryder Cup. Although, obviously, we'd love to see um, Mollywood yeah. or Folinari, however you want to say it, um, beat them, uh, you know, Convincingly. Yeah, five and four. Convincing. <laughs> uh, at Dale Majid, um, this is all on Instagram as well, uh, asked us, what would we have shot around Harding Park today? This Maybe, is a great question. Yeah, so I'm going to go through the leaderboard um, in terms of players who are playing... Scroll to the bottom. Today, yeah. So 
At a 75 from Jim Herman, that's only five over. I reckon I would have been that through the first few holes. So what do we, can we get the, I'd say Martin Keimer's uh, 12 over Friday mm. would be more in the ballpark of where I'd be looking uh, for, for me, at least, particularly with um, the cold, the wind, and of course the fog. Mm. Uh, I would have struggled in the fog today. Uh, so it's a great question, Dale. I, I'm not probably willing to commit to a number, but I'd say, I'd say if you were looking for me to nominate a ballpark, um, Martin Kimer's 12 over from Friday would be my baseline. I would, I reckon, I would honestly be nudging 120. <laughs> I'd say quite comfortably. I would like the way that I'm driving the ball right now. I would have hit zero out of 18 fairways. Yeah. Um, and getting out of that rough uh, would have been a, a nightmare. Um, so I'll, I'll quite comfortably say 120. Thank you, Dale. Uh, at Banana Phone, uh, probably the best Instagram <laughs> handle that we've got. That's great. Uh, Banana Phone underscore. Will Paul Casey get that close to a major again? No. Yeah. I'm going to say no. Okay. So I also stumbled across this today. Uh, had he gone on to win at 43 years of age, he would have become the oldest first-time major champion since Roberto Di Vincenzo, Roberto Di Vincenzo, sorry, the 1967 Open Championship. Uh, at 43 years of age, no, at 43 years of age, I don't know that opportunity will come knocking too many more times, if any, for Paul Casey. I completely agree with that. Uh, and our final question from at Dane Smutty one I don't know if that's Dane's muddy one or if it's Dane's smutty one. I don't, I don't know. Please uh, confirm for us, Dane. Please Dane's. confirm if you, if you could. Uh, did you guys laugh as much as I did seeing Brooks Kepka fail and shoot 74 after talking shit on Saturday? The very simple answer to that is yes, we did. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we touched on this a little earlier. No great fan of Brooks myself. Um, and I, to be fair, I actually thought he got... Um, off extremely lightly in the in the post round, uh, given his 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 comments on Saturday, and the manner in which he you know um, he failed um, you know so perfectly to perform uh, after talking himself up. So I did laugh, and to be fair, I was quite disappointed in the fact that he wasn't pressed on it more in the post round today. I completely agree. We've now been going for about an hour and fifteen, I think, something like that. Um, and we're probably just about ready to draw a line under the PGA Championship. I think so, Drew. I think so. <laughs> it was, uh, it was it extensive, was extensive, comprehensive, really good to have major golf back. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and I think, as I said, that the competitive nature of the tournament and how wide open it was contributed to that. Um, very entertaining four rounds of golf at TPC Harding Park. And, Certainly looking forward to uh, the US Open in a couple of weeks. Yes, me too. Uh, the US Women's Amateur was also played. Let's this go week. there. So, yeah. um, Gabby Ruffles, uh, obviously the twenty-year-old uh, Aussie who's currently at University of uh, Southern California Trojans. Uh, she is the defending US Women's Amateur champion. She was looking to go back to back. She made it through to the final today against. Um, 17-year-old American Rose Zhang, who is the highest-ranked women's junior in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, it went all the way to 38 holes, Druids, which, uh, would you believe, is 
the second longest that the women's amateur has ever gone. I think it went to 41 holes back in the 60s I was reading today. Mm -hmm. um, but through 38 holes, I was completely engrossed in this. Uh, I, 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 I switched on from about hole 30 or 31 and watched this through to its conclusion. So uh, there was a patch of the PGA Championship that I missed today to, to see uh, what I thought was going to be Gabby Ruffles come home and... and and to be fair, on the 37th hole, I think we all thought she had it because uh, Rose Zhang, a, a nasty duck hook out left into thick rough below a tree line. She tried to punch out a hybrid that went the best part of 40, 50 metres under the trees, still in the deep rough, left herself, I think, about 60 to 70 yards, um, you know, digging out of the, the wilderness with a wedge um, to go on for, for three, and she put it within three feet. <laughs> wow. uh, to her credit, Gabby Ruffles made her putt it out too. We don't concede. Good. Never, ever concede. Uh, but uh, Gabby Ruffles, unfortunately, an incredibly, un, you know, hugely unlucky, uh, horseshoed a, uh, a four-foot par putt on the 38th hole. And let me tell you, the slowed-down footage from behind the putt was as bad as Colin Morikow's a few weeks ago. It was, it was It was in the hole. Yeah. In the hole only to horseshoe out. Uh, Very I think, tough. I think to to go that close to defending the women's amateur title is an unbelievable effort from a 20 year old Australian who only took the game up at, I think 15, 16 yeah. years of age. So in the space of four years, she is on a um, fully fledged scholarship at one of the leading, um, you know, athletic programs in the country in America yep. uh, has already won the U S women's amateur uh, has been a runner up this year by the barest of margins uh, and has the absolute world at her feet. So uh, congratulations to uh, Gabby Ruffles. Uh, she's a name that we'll be talking an awful lot more about we will. in the coming years. Uh, Kirstie Hodgkins also played one of our very early guests. I think she got through to maybe... I think it was around 16 she got through to. Yeah, yeah she, won, she won on the first day. Unfortunately, didn't um, progress any further. But yeah, congratulations to... Uh, there were three Australians in the field. Obviously, yeah. Gabby went on to 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 be in the final. But uh, yeah, a huge effort. Uh, just briefly, Drew, to brother Ryan in the Corn Ferry to another wild week. He shot an eight under sixty three on Friday, mm -hmm. uh, four over through the next two days to finish in the the T twenty two. He was eventually to give that um, context. The winner, Lee Hodges. Finished at eleven under. Yep. Ryan shot eight under in a day. Yep. Uh, so his his wild form continues, and, and a brief mention as well. Uh, Lydia Ko, who the New Zealander who uh, won for fun years ago when she when she started out on the LPGA tour. She was in the wilderness for a couple of years. She was back to her very very best uh, this week on the LPGA tour. A heartbreaking finish though. She stepped up to the eighteenth tee, leading by one. She was green side on a par five in two. She finished with a seven yeah. to lose by one to Danielle Kang. He went back to back, uh, winning by a shot. So uh, great to see, as I said, Lydia Coe back to her best, but um, heartbreaking loss, which she was all class post round. Uh, but, you know, that would have been a tough one to swallow. Certainly would. Uh, yeah, Danielle Kang said two weeks in a row that she's won in very, very close, close fashion. Uh, obviously, last week, it's like a three-footer as well. Uh, off to the Wyndham Championship. Sedgefield Country Club, North Carolina. Maybe DJ can win here. Uh -huh. do, do you know what? We laugh. It Honestly, would. won't surprise me. No, it wouldn't. Would not surprise me if he came out and won by four or five. No. It's the last event before the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, of course, um, we then get into three very interesting <laughs> events. I mean, look, 
FedEx Cup doesn't mean a hell of a lot to me, but I mean, look, you can't deny that those three events are are entertaining to watch. Absolutely. $6.4 million up for grabs this week. Uh, JT Poston is the defending champion uh, of that one. So I look forward to uh, watching what is probably going to be a wildly unentertaining Wyndham Championship. I mean, obviously, Wyndham Rewards uh, finishes up as well. I mean, there's just another thing that we throw in there. Geez, won't it be a come down, though, after what was, as we said, a, a hugely entertaining First major of the season, Drews. It was. It was. It was very exciting. Uh, some cool things coming up. Matt Griffin, um, obviously Victorian, uh, has won plenty of events throughout his career. New Zealand Open, Victorian Open, uh, played heavily on in the Asian tours, was very generous with his time, and his episode will be coming out a little bit later on this week. And we also have some exciting content coming out with Blitz Golf uh, mm. in the coming weeks as well. Uh, there'll be some merch dropping soon. It's all happening. There's plenty of stuff happening behind the scenes. Especially uh, potentially a few little uh, new friends of the podcast yes. in the pipeline. A few announcements coming in in the weeks to come. So as you said, Drew, it's plenty on. Uh, don't hesitate to uh, to reach out to us as our friends did with questions this week. We love feedback, uh, good, bad or indifferent at the 19th Day podcast on Instagram facebook and twitter also subscribe and rate the podcast a couple yes. of five stars very helpful that way. very helpful very helpful yeah uh it would be great uh Drew's, that probably does us it's I been a pleasure um if you stuck with us through until the end well you, done you deserve a single thing uh <laughs> as we enjoyed one tonight congratulations to colin morikawa i know they had a name we'll be speaking a lot more of if this podcast continues for another couple of years will be a name <laughs> that we will continue to rabbit on about until next week Drew, sir, it's been an absolute bloody pleasure it has